Hello, and welcome to Device Week, the weekly podcast from MedTech Insight. I'm editor Reed Miller, and with me today is our UK-based reporter, Barnaby Pickering, and our editor, Marion Webb. So let's start with Barnaby. Now, Barnaby, this week you published a story about an interesting development in robotic surgery. Uh, what can you tell us about that? So the story was about autonomous robotic surgery. Obviously, this is something that's still many, many years from being used in humans, but researchers at Johns Hopkins University have instructed a robot they own, the Smart Tissue Autonomous Robot, or SCAR for short, to perform automated laparoscopic surgery on four pigs. The procedure performed, known as anastomosis, requires precise suturing of tissue to connect two ends of intestine. Humans find this task incredibly difficult and any minor errors in the suturing can lead to leakages in the intestines, which have the potential to be fatal. Researchers concluded that STAR outperformed expert surgeons with the robot excelling at the precise and repetitive task. Arguably the most impressive element of the announcement was that STAR not only performed the surgery, but also planned the surgery itself in real time using images taken from a light-based endoscope. This wasn't a case of giving the robot instructions, it worked out what to do by itself and then did it. Well, that is obviously very impressive. So going forward, what is this going to mean? Well, right now, it means very little in the real world, um, unless you're a pig with intestinal issues kept at Johns Hopkins. However, this is just one of the first few steps towards automated surgery. The MedPod in Ridley Scott's 2012 film Prometheus at the time looked like total science fiction, something that could take hundreds of years to reach. But what we've seen in STAR could translate to human applications within the next decade. As companies who produce surgical robots increasingly harness the power of data collection, data processing and data implementation, it's likely we will see robots offering more and more assistance and guidance to surgeons over time. At some point, the time will come when surgeons have to go hands off and trust the robots to do what they can. That is a remarkable development. That's a huge milestone for robotics. I'm sure we'll hear a lot more about that maybe soon and definitely in the future. Okay, now I'll shift to Marion. So Marion, this week you attended your first live conference of 2022. You went to the Digital Healthcare Innovation Summit in your neck of the woods near San Diego. What were some of the highlights there from that meeting? As you said, it was my first live conference uh, in 2022. And I must say that it felt really good to know that all attendees were required to show not only proof of vaccination against uh, COVID-19, but also a negative COVID test result within 24 hours of attending this event. That said, the event itself featured some very interesting and diverse panel discussions. Um, for instance, in one panel discussing consumerism and healthcare, the panelists discussed, among other things, different business models and what makes the most sense for companies. It was interesting to hear the different perspectives from the panelists like Sid Viswanathan, who co-founded TruePill, which is a digital health company that provides telehealth and pharmacy fulfillment services and diagnostic services now. He said the company started out as a direct-to-consumer company providing pharmacy services and then seized the opportunity also driven by the pandemic, to expand into telehealth and diagnostics. And they now serve clients like the United Health Group and Optum. He hopes to transform healthcare and is now focusing on going after the healthcare incumbents. So the company raised a whopping $256 million since it was founded five years ago. And last October was valued at $1.6 billion. Another panelist, Jesse Jacobs, who is a partner at the investment firm G 
TCG told the audience that their investment philosophy in the consumer space is that you have to start with a brand that creates content or has an emotional connection to a consumer and then engage with it like through subscriptions and then over time spend money in marketing. He said that the company's first investment in digital health was in the company Headspace, and that was back in 2015. And of course, Headspace is well known now. It developed a mental health app that has become incredibly successful. Headspace merged with Ginger and is now valued at $3 billion. The convergence between healthcare and consumer tech is very interesting. I know you've written about that in the past. So what else stood out for you at that particular conference? So other trendy topics that were discussed during the panel discussions were health inequity, which is, of course, now part of every conversation in the healthcare space, and the rise of women's digital health, a topic that I will revisit very soon. So one panel that stood out to me as well was a fireside chat with Troyan Brennan, who is the chief medical officer at CVS Health. He told the audience something they likely didn't want to hear, and that is that he often finds himself searching for the evidence that digital health solutions actually work, and noted that the evidence, and that's in his words, is often thin. So he said the most attractive companies are the ones that have firm evidence. Still, you know, clearly digital health in particular in the behavioral space has seen incredible investment. According to digital health investment group Rock Health, digital health funding among U.S.-based startups reached a record $29.1 billion in 2021, with the average deal size of $39.9 million and 88 digital health deals over $100 million. Obviously, a lot of money going into that, but we'll just have to see where all that goes. We'll have a couple more articles on that this week and, and a lot more in the future. Thanks for going to that meeting, and I'm sure you'll keep following that space very closely. Our readers can find the articles on these topics and a lot more, along with our complete archive, right now at medtechinsight.com. Right now, we have an update on MedTech's role in the cancer moonshot that was recently announced by the president. There's an in-depth look at what Philips is up to by our colleague Ashley Yo and how that company is handling the challenges of the pandemic. We also have a recent Speaking of MedTech podcast about what's going on at FDA's Device Center and another podcast we recently posted uh, by Barnaby and freelancer Phil Greenfield about Phil's report on the liquid biopsy market. Of course, you can find that report in all of our MedTech industry reports on our MedDevice Tracker report store. You can find the Archive of Device Week podcast and all those other Informa Pharma Intelligence podcasts I just mentioned through medtechinsight.com or on any of the major podcasting platforms like SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, tune in. We're on Twitter at medtech underscore insight. I'm at medtechread with two E's. Marion is medtechmarion, M-A-R-I-O-N, and Barnaby is at medtechbarney. Thanks and have a great week. 